Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Faith in the Zone. A show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, again flying solo this week. I'm looking forward to having Pastor Ken Keltner for Brookside Baptist Church in. Once uh, once the, the new year starts, I believe that he's going to be allowed back in studio with me, and, and I look forward to that. And if you've been listening to the last few weeks as we've done new shows, I normally reach out to Pastor for the first segment, kind of catch up with, with Pastor Ken, see how he's doing, and then we'll get to our special guest. But this week, I, I, I called Pastor Ken and said, look, not going to happen this week, and let me tell you why. I couldn't sleep the other night. Um, it was 11.30 at night. I came into the office, and I thought, well, I'll do about a half hour worth of research on our guest. And literally three and a half hours later, I walked out of here. My wife had sent me a text like, where are you? I said, I'm at the office. Wait till I introduce you to the guy who's going to be our, our guest on Faith in the Zone. I can't stop watching this stuff. And uh, he is Pastor Derwin Gray, and he is the lead pastor of Transformation Church and and former Indianapolis Colt. And the last part of what I did on the research side, and I'm going to go through a lot of the things that I watched, but I watched a, a highlight video of him when he played at Brigham Young. And he picked up a fumble, and I think it was against Colorado State, and it looked like he got shot out of a cannon. He was gone. And he ran about 70 yards for a touchdown. Nobody was catching him. And I thought, man, he's got a lot of speed. He better not come up to Wisconsin and play in this Thanksgiving turkey bowl that I play in because we'd get him. I'm telling you, he's going to have to stay in that warm weather. He didn't want to come up to Milwaukee for Thanksgiving. We're now joined by Pastor Derwin Gray. Pastor, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, I'm impressed with all your research and uh yeah, I'm definitely going to pass on the turkey bowl because, uh, number one, it's way too cold in Wisconsin for me. And 
number two, uh, my motivation to play football is pretty low. And number three, my back would tell me, what are you doing, bro? Those days are done. Well, you know, our Thanksgiving bowl game, I have to tell you, you know, I talk a little smack about it, but it, it is uh, – we ended up stopping, and my mom passed on April 2nd but when she was around because by about 11 o'clock, half of the men in our, my family were taking naps. We were done. You know, the, that age catches up to you pretty quick. I can still throw it a little bit, Pastor Gray. I can still throw it just a little bit, but, man, that's, that is definitely just about it. As we talk to him— you know, through this uh, this show, I want you to, to remember a couple of things. There's a book that we're going to talk about that I'm going to we're going to find out his motivation for writing the book, and there is a a roundtable. It's called the High Definition Leader Roundtable. That if you go to his website, it's pat it's derwinlgray.com, derwinlgray.com, and there's a lot of information on the High Definition Leader Roundtable, and we'll talk to him later in the show. Um, and we'll find out. It's November 9th and 10th. And I went on there and I looked at, at a lot of the things that are going on that day. And I'm telling you, the men that listen to this to this show, the people that listen to this show, there's a lot of things that, that you might want to look at and, and want to get involved in with that roundtable. And you can you can just come and be involved in it. Or there's, there's ways, depending on what you do, uh, there's ways of maybe being part of it. So so go again to DerwinLGray.com to get more information on that. Pastor, let's start with, with kind of your background, where you grew up, and how you ended up at Brigham Young. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. It's an area called the West Side. And, uh, you know, it's a lower-income neighborhood, um, good family good people. There was some rough spots. Uh, I primarily was raised by my grandparents, and at about age 13, that's when I decided that football was going to be my way out of the environment where I was. Uh, We didn't go to church growing up as a kid, and one of the things I like to say is this, is that our, our, our human heart is designed to worship, and worship is simply where I find my affirmation, identity, purpose. And so football gave me that. And I just I just worked really hard. And growing up from Texas, that's kind of like what we do. And then I happened to go to a high school called Converse Judson, which still to this very day is winning state championships. So went to that school, had great coaches. Uh, coaches are just phenomenal. They taught me discipline, sacrifice, teamwork, work ethic, all those things. We ended up winning a state championship, and I got a football scholarship. I had an option between Kansas State, uh, BYU, and TCU, and I chose to go to BYU because I wanted to play for Lavelle Edwards, and I wanted to be on ESPN and get a great education, and I knew I could play early. And so I ended up, uh, that's how I ended up at BYU. Hey, Pastor, so watching uh, one of the videos that I watched, and, and, I, and I watched it all the way through, uh, you were a speaker at the Texas Coaches Leadership Summit in 2017. And being a former high school basketball coach, um, you made a comment. 
in 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 that speech first of all you know you introduced your wife and your son you said your daughter's out shopping she's heard you speak enough and and you can join <laughs> our club because y'all kicked your coverage a little bit You're, you have a beautiful wife a very handsome handsome young man is your son and we like to say boy i'll tell you a lot of us boys we all kicked our coverage because our wives are way too pretty for us um exactly you made a comment that just caught my and I went back and listened again because I just went, oh, man, you, you kind of came out from from uh, behind the podium and you said, listen now to the coaches. You said teenagers do not need you to be their friend. They don't need friends. They have enough of them. Yeah. You you cannot be there. Don't, if you didn't fulfill what you were thinking, you should have been at that level. Don't, don't try to live your life vicariously through them. Don't do it. And I, I just, I literally was in this whole building by myself and I started applauding because I feel like, especially some younger coaches, that that's kind of where they, they start to, to drift a little bit, trying to be these, these players' friends. And I don't think they need any more friends. Well, you, you know, it's, it's one of these things is that as a coach, right, you, you, you have to be able to connect with your athletes. And I think one of the misnomers is, um, you know, you, you, you have to be at their level. And we are at their level as it pertains to humanity. But as, yeah. this, but as it pertains to being a mentor, uh, the idea of that we're on the same l- level just doesn't work. And there are experiences that coaches have and should have that they'd want to pour into their kids. And so having a relationship with them, but it has to be a mentor-mentee relationship, not a peer-to-peer. And even to this day, my head coach, uh, I call him coach. I, there's no way I could ever call him by his first name. And, and so there's this element of respect. And that doesn't mean that you don't have fun. It means that you redefine fun. So for us, fun was sacrifice discipline and learning character and a plan with execution and physicality and intelligence and all those things carry over to life. Like fun is accomplishing goals. Fun is changing the world. Fun is doing things that make someone else's life better. And I think that's one of the powers that coaches have because they got plenty of friends, but what they don't have is plenty of role models. Hey, Pastor. So when when you went and and you went to a different high school as a freshman and transferred um, before your sophomore year, and listening to you, do you speak? That was it. That was an eye opening experience getting into the school that that you then went. And when you talked about, look, the the, the expectations were totally different, and and what they expected yeah. from me was so different. But it's not like. You know, you spent a month there and said, "Okay, this isn't for me," and left. It looked, it seemed to me from listening to you that you really embraced that as a young man, saying, "Okay, you think I can be that good? Okay, let me try to go there. Let me try to get there." Yeah, and 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 so the high school that I transferred from was a good football high school. Educationally, it was in an urban context, so it wasn't as good. Just with uh, money's able to go to the school. So I transferred to a high school called Converse Judson, which was like lower middle class, a lot of military kids, very uh, di- diverse school. But as far as a football program, 
the level of discipline, work ethic, and what they required was in a different universe. And so I could hardly keep up. And you make the, 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 the point of I embraced it. I didn't know I did not – I didn't think I had a choice right. to embrace it. <laughs> you know, it's like once I decided that this is what I want to do into being, then um, I went ahead with, 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 with it. So, for example, uh, my sophomore year, they did this thing called the roads testing, and it's like 40-yard dash, vertical leap, all that. My sophomore year, I was 71st on the team. Oh, a year later, I was number three on the team. And so just buying into it and a year of working, it transformed me to a kid who had no chance of playing college ball to a young man that eventually had a six-year NFL career. The most disciplined and hardest practices I've ever had were not in college, were not in the NFL. They were at Converse Judson High School. Pastor, we, I, I was coaching at a place here in Milwaukee um, at Whitefish Bay Dominican, and, and it's a really good basketball uh, program and really good school, and, and it's a private school. And, and we had a, a young man. I was, I was the head coach, and I brought a guy named Coach Wallersheim in, and then I left the school. He became the head coach, and I came back as his assistant. So it was a really odd dynamic in the beginning, but it turned out to be wonderful. And we had a, a, a young man who was going to be going to Wisconsin about six, seven, real bouncy, a very good basketball player. And he came up to me his senior year and he said, Hey, why does Coach Paul hate me so much? And I started to laugh. And he said, No, I'm serious. What have I ever done to that man? And I said, You really don't get it, do you? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, He he loves you so much that he's willing to have you dislike him right now to get you ready to play at Wisconsin. And he said, exactly. I don't believe you. I said, I said, young man, you're going to come back one day, and you're going to hug me, and you're going to go, you're going to whisper in my ear, Coach, you were right. He said that will never happen. Thanksgiving, his freshman year, he walked in, came over, hugged me. He said, Coach, you were right. You were right. I owe, I owe that man. I said, yes, you do. Hey, guys, we're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, segment two of Faith in the Zone, we love to get our guest testimony, and I'm just going to tee it up a little bit because Steve Grant – and I tell you what, they call him the naked preacher. He had a lot to do with what Pastor Derwin Gray is going to talk about when it comes to his testimony. You don't want to miss this. This is really interesting. And we talk a lot about on Faith in Zone, we have guys, the worst thing they ever do is steal a candy bar. And then we've got guys like Pastor Daryl Strawberry and myself who figured this out a long way too late. Well, you know what? Pastor Gray... He look. He uh, he figured it out a little bit later than some, and he may have stole more than a candy bar once in his day. And if the Lord's willing to accept guys like me and Pastor Green and Pastor Daryl Strawberry, I don't know what some of my buddies listening to the show. I don't know what y'all waiting for. Anytime you want to have lunch, you call. Maybe you'll buy. Maybe I'll buy. But we'll have that conversation. He is Pastor Derwin Gray. Go to DerwinLGray.com. A lot of information there, or his Twitter page is DerwinLGray. He's Vicky's husband, Presley and Jeremiah's papa, lead pastor at Transformation Church, best-selling author, The Good Life, and HD Leader, which is the high-definition leader uh, uh, roundtable that we talked about. We'll get more into that. And former NFL safety. This is Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone. 
discovering people in sports and their walking faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Again, I'm Mike McGivern flying solo. Pastor Ken Keltner for Brookside Baptist Church will join us on next week's show. Our special guest, he was a heck of a football player. Indianapolis Colts, Brigham Young. You played for Carolina for a little bit too, didn't you? I did. I did. I played for the Panthers, yep, for a year. Man, so if you had to go back, you've got four uniforms I'm going to let you choose from, Pastor. Your high school uniform, BYU, the Colts, or the Panthers. And I said, look, you get to play one more game, and you get to pick the uniform, and you get to pick the opponent. What would you do? Uh, I would, if I could play one more game, I would go back, and it would be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1994. My second ever NFL start. I'd go back and play that game. What what happened in that game that makes you want to go back and play that one? So that year, the first game, we opened up against the Houston Oilers, which no longer exists. I'd like to tell you how old I am. But anyway, that first game, I led the team in tackles, uh, broke up some passes, and I was like, man, this is going to be easy. And then the next week, even in preparing for Tampa Bay, I think I got so jacked up emotionally and being a young player and like, man, like I'm, I led the team in tackles. This is crazy. I didn't prepare as well. And we're playing Tampa and the, and the game was close. And uh, Tampa Bay was running what's called a slip screen. And in cover four, the tight end's position and how he was running the route was the linebacker's job. And they were baiting me, but I didn't know it. So we stop him. I come off the field, and I tell the DB coach, I said, hey, listen, uh, on this slip screen, I can pick this ball off. <laughs> and, the de- and the defensive back coach said, listen, do your job. That's not your job. Don't do it. And with my, mind, with my mouth, I said, okay. With my heart, I said, no way. I'm jumping this thing. Well, when I noticed the formation and I see what they're doing, being a young player, them knowing I was a young player, they saw I was aggressive from the first week's film, and they run a slip screen, but then they pump the ball to a tight end named Jackie Harris, and I go for the interception, oh. and he's going upfield, and they hit him on a deep bomb. And I just remember going to the sideline, and that coach was upset. I was upset, and I was like, well, I wanted to get on ESPN, but I was hoping to get on ESPN by getting a pick six, right. not by giving up six. <laughs> and so I would I would have loved to go back and do that moment over because it took me it took me years to fully regain that staff's trust. Oh boy. Because because it was I mean, it was one of those plays where do your job. Right. But I was young and I was arrogant and I wanted to prove myself. And uh, it took me a little bit of time to bounce back emotionally because in college, everything I touched was gold. And when I got to the NFL, you know, it's a business. 
And, uh, you know, you get fired in the NFL if your players don't do their job. So I don't hold any ill will. I just wish I could go back and do that play over. But the blessing of that is this, is I cannot go back to the past, but I can draw strength and life from Jesus in the present for whatever he brings to me. And so it actually works as a source of motivation to rely on Christ more in any and everything. Amen to that. Hey, Pastor, if, if I told you when you were a senior in high school heading to BYU that there's there's going to be a day that I'm going to have you on the radio calling you Pastor, and, and you would at that point been an author of four books, um, what would you have said to me? First of all, I would say, what is a pastor? <laughs> Secondly, I don't even like to read books, so there's no way you got a different Derwin Gray, because I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. I didn't like reading, and the idea that I'm an author of a best-selling book and publishers want me to write more books, it's a testimony of God's grace. The fact that I'm talking to you now hardly stuttering is a testimony of God's grace. And even being married almost 30 years now, the testimony of God's grace, the first wedding I went to was my own at 21. Wow. And so for, and so for the men that are listening, women as well, Jesus not only forgives your sins, but he makes you into a new creation. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 17 says this, that if any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation, that God literally makes us new by sharing his life with us. And and that's the problem with humanity. Humanity uh, has to be what's called born again, and it's a supernatural act where when we say yes to Jesus, he comes into our life and he begins to uh, give us gifts we never, ever thought we'd have. So coming to Christ, it's, it's, like, it's like Christmas, and underneath the tree are all these gifts that you never, ever thought you could have. Like, it was surreal several years ago when I was preaching in the slums of Calcutta, India. Uh, here I am from the hood of, of San Antonio, Texas, and I'm preaching in Calcutta, India. I've, I've preached in Germany. I've been to Norway. I've been to Denmark. I preach all over the country. I write, I'm talking to you now. And so for the person that's listening, um, when God does a work in you, he doesn't just take an old house and do remodeling. He just makes a whole new house and teaches you how to live in it. Amen. Hey, hey, amen to that. I so I, I started um, looking at some of the books, and, and the, the, I believe the newest one out is The Good Life. Is that correct, Pastor? That is co- correct, yes. So I wrote The Good Life, and uh, the, the, the full title of the book is The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness, and it launched on June 2nd in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> and race riots in our country and unemployment. And and it's not it's doing pretty well, right? Oh yeah, it it, it shocked my <laughs> publisher. It sold out of copies in two weeks. We had to go to a second printing in two weeks, and so God knew what people needed when they needed it. And the idea of the good life was actually birthed uh, 
six years ago in 2014, I was ministering to people, whether if they were Christians or not Christians, male, female, rich, poor, black, white, whatever, and people were struggling with how to find happiness. And so I thought to myself, what does Jesus say about happiness? And hiding in plain sight in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever to preach, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens up in what's called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, and it's eight characteristics of a blessed person. And the word blessed in the Greek is makaros, and it literally means happy. So, for example, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn. And so happiness is something that God wants to give to us, but it's a deeper, more beautiful happiness than simply good things are happening, therefore I have good feelings. God kind of happiness is actually making us good for the world. Boy, I, Pastor, so when you started to, to write that book, w- w- was it easier to write the third or fourth book that, that you've written than it was? I, I'm wondering how difficult it was for you, the first book, and, and w- did, when you sat down to, to start to write that book, did you think, was there times where you thought, boy, what am I doing? I'm not an author. This isn't <laughs> who I am, because that's exactly what would happen to me. And was, that, was the name of that book Hero the first one you did? Yeah, and that book is out of out of print. So Hero was the first book. I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. God was so gracious. But with any and every book, there's uh, feelings of inadequacy. There's feelings of, are people going to reject it? Is it worth your time? And so ultimately what I've learned is, is that when God gives you a message, you're not writing it so that people read it. You're writing it as a gift of God, as a gift to God. And the blessing or bonus is that people read it. Yeah. And so when you write as an act of worship and say, God, here's my offering to you. It's like the little boy who took the, 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 the loaves and the fish and gave it to Christ and he multiplied it. Well, our jobs, our parenting, whatever it is that we do is an offering back to God. And we say, God, you bless it and you multiply it. And so with this last book, The Good Life, I wasn't even going to write the book, but we were on vacation in Oslo, Norway, and my daughter at the time was 22, and I was giving her all these reasons of why I wasn't going to write the book. I had a contract offer, and I was given all these reasons, and she literally stopped me in downtown Oslo, looked me in the eyes and said, Dad, if God is calling you to write this book, then you write this book for him. That's all that matters. Wow. And it's a smart, things, that's a smart young lady right there. Yeah, she, she is. And two things went through my mind. One, she's been listening. And two, she's 100% right. And because she was right, I began to write. And the Lord took a book and has made it a bestseller. And it's doing great. It's transforming lots of lives. And I write in such a way that, men and women can connect. And so I want to encourage the readers or, or the listeners to pick up the book, read it, and you're, you will discover that happiness is not only possible, but happiness is your birthright. 
And then thirdly, you will discover that the happiness that God wants to give actually makes you good for the world. Amen. The name of the book, The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness, um, Amazon, goodreads.com, a lot of information at derwinlgray.com. That's gray with an A. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, I wanted to talk about his kids and, and all of that. I need to talk more about the high-definition leader roundtable that's coming up November 9th and 10th and get you more information on that. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Again, I'm Mike McGivern flying solo. Pastor Ken Keltner for Brookside Baptist Church will join us on next week's show. Our special guest, he was a heck of a football player. Indianapolis Colts, Brigham Young. You played for Carolina for a little bit too, didn't you? I did. I did. I played for the Panthers, yep, for a year. Man, so if you had to go back, you've got four uniforms I'm going to let you choose from, Pastor. Your high school uniform, BYU, the Colts, or the Panthers. And I said, look, you get to play one more game, and you get to pick the uniform, and you get to pick the opponent. What would you do? Uh, I would, if I could play one more game... I would go back, and it would be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1994, my second ever NFL start. I'd go back and play that game. What what happened in that game that makes you want to go back and play that one? So that year, the first game, we opened up against the Houston Oilers, which no longer exists. And let me tell you how old I am. But anyway, that first game, I led the team in tackles, uh, broke up some passes, and I was like, man, this is going to be easy. And then the next week, even in preparing for Tampa Bay, I think I got so jacked up emotionally and being a young player and like, man, like I'm, I led the team in tackles. This is crazy. I didn't prepare as well, and we're playing Tampa, and the, and the game was close. And uh, Tampa Bay was running what's called a slip screen. And in cover four, the tight end's position and how he was running the route was the linebacker's job. And they were baiting me, but I didn't know it. So we stop him. I come off the field, and I tell the DB coach, I said, hey, listen, uh, on this slip screen, I can pick this ball off. (laughs) And And the defensive back coach said, listen, do your job. That's not your job. Don't do it. And with my mind, with my mouth, I said, okay. With my heart, I said, no way, I'm jumping this thing. Well, when I noticed the formation and I see what they're doing, being a young player, them knowing I was a young player, they saw I was aggressive from the first week's film, and they run a slip screen, but then they pump the ball to a tight end named Jackie Harris, and I go for the interception, oh. and he's going upfield, and they hit him on a deep bomb. And I just remember going to the sideline, and that coach was upset. I was upset, and I was like, 
Well, I wanted to get on ESPN, but I was hoping to get on ESPN by getting a pick six, right. not by giving up six. <laughs> and so I would I would have loved to go back and do that moment over because it took me it took me years to fully regain that staff's trust. Oh boy. Because because it was I mean, it was one of those plays where do your job. Right. But I was young and I was arrogant and I wanted to prove myself. And uh, it took me a little bit of time to bounce back emotionally because in college, everything I touched was gold. And when I got to the NFL, you know, it's a business. And, uh, you know, you get fired in the NFL if your players don't do their job. So I don't hold any ill will. I just wish I could go back and do that play over. But the blessing of that is this is I cannot go back to the past, but I can draw strength and life from Jesus in the present for whatever he brings to me. And so it actually works as a source of motivation to rely on Christ more in any and everything. Amen to that. Hey, Pastor, if if I told you when you were a senior in high school, heading to BYU, that there's there's going to be a day that I'm going to have you on the radio calling you pastor, and, and you would, at that point, been an author of four books. Um, what would you have said to me? First of all, I would say, what is a pastor? <laughs> Secondly, I don't even like to read books, so there's no way you got a different Derwin Gray, because I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. I didn't like reading, and the idea that I'm a author of a best-selling book and publishers want me to write more books, it's a testimony of God's grace. The fact that I'm talking to you now, hardly stuttering, is a testimony of God's grace. And even being married almost 30 years now, the testimony of God's grace, the first wedding I went to was my own at 21. Wow. And so for, and so for the men that are listening, women as well, Jesus not only forgives your sins, but he makes you into a new creation. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says this: that if any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation. That God literally makes us new by sharing His life with us, and and that's the problem with humanity. Humanity uh, has to be what's called born again, and it's the supernatural act where when we say yes to Jesus, He comes into our life and He begins to. Uh, give us gifts we never ever thought we'd have. So, coming to Christ, it's it's like it's like Christmas, and underneath the tree are all these gifts that you never ever thought you could have. Like it was surreal several years ago when I was preaching in the slums of Calcutta, India. Uh, here I am from the hood of of San Antonio, Texas, and I'm preaching in Calcutta. India. I've, I've preached in Germany. I've been to Norway. I've been to Denmark. I preach all over the country. I write, I'm talking to you now. And so for the person that's listening, um, when God does a work in you, he doesn't just take an old house and do remodeling. He just makes a whole new house and teaches you how to live in it. Amen. Hey, hey, amen to that. I so I, I started um, looking at some of the books, and, and the, the, I believe the newest one out is The Good Life. Is that correct, Pastor? 
That is co- correct. Yes. So I wrote The Good Life, and uh, the, the, the full title of the book is The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. And it launched on June 2nd in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> and race riots in our country and unemployment. And, and it's not the, it's doing pretty well, right? Oh, yeah. It, it's it shocked my <laughs> publisher. It sold out of copies in two weeks. We had to go to a second printing in two weeks. And so God knew what people needed when they needed it. And the idea of the good life was actually birthed uh, six years ago in 2014. I was ministering to people, whether if they were Christians or not Christians, male, female, rich, poor, black, white, whatever, and people were struggling with how to find happiness. And so I thought to myself, what does Jesus say about happiness? And hiding in plain sight in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever to preach, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens up in what's called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, and it's eight characteristics of a blessed person and the word blessed in the Greek is makaros, and it literally means happy. So, for example, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn. And so happiness is something that God wants to give to us, but it's a deeper, more beautiful happiness than simply good things are happening, therefore I have good feelings. God's kind of happiness is actually making us good for the world. Boy, I, Pastor, so when you started to, to write that book, w- w- was it easier to write the third or fourth book that, that you've written than it was? I, I'm wondering how difficult it was for you, the first book, and and when you sat down to to start to write that book, did you think, was there times where you thought, boy, what am I doing? I'm not an author. This isn't who I am, because that's exactly what would happen to me. And was was the name of that book Hero the first one you did? Yeah, and that book is out out of print. So Hero was the first book. I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. God was so gracious. But with any and every book, there's uh, feelings of inadequacy. There's feelings of, are people going to reject it? Is it worth your time? And so ultimately what I've learned is, is that when God gives you a message, you're not writing it so that people read it. You're writing it as a gift of God, as a gift to God. And the blessing or bonus is that people read it. Yeah. And so when you write as an act of worship and say, God, here's my offering to you, it's like the little boy who took the, 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 the loaves and the fish and gave it to Christ and he multiplied it. Well, our jobs, our parenting, whatever it is that we do is an offering back to God. And we say, God, you bless it and you multiply it. And so with this last book, The Good Life, I wasn't even going to write the book but we were on vacation in Oslo, Norway, and my daughter at the time was 22. And I was giving her all these reasons of why I wasn't going to write the book. I had a contract offer, and I was given all these reasons. And she literally stopped me in downtown Oslo, looked me in the eyes and said, Dad, if God is calling you to write this book, then you write this book for him. That's all that matters. 
Wow. And just smart. Things, that's a smart young lady right there. Yeah, she, she is. And two things went through my mind. One, she's been listening. And two, she's 100% right. And because she was right, I began to write. And the Lord took a book and has made it a best seller and it's doing great it's transforming lots of lives and i write in such a way that men and women can connect and so i want to encourage the readers or, or the listeners to pick up the book read it and you you will discover that happiness is not only possible but happiness is your birthright and then thirdly you will discover that the happiness that god wants to give actually makes you good for the world Amen. The name of the book, The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness, um, Amazon, goodreads.com, a lot of information at derwinlgray.com. That's gray with an A. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, I wanted to talk about his kids and, and all of that. I need to talk more about the high-definition leader roundtable that's coming up November 9th and 10th and get you more information on that. This is Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Now you guys know why I had to, you know, to have Pastor Ken take a hiatus just for this week. I, I'm such a fan of Pastor Duran Gray. Anytime I get to Charlotte, North Carolina, you know what? I'm going to Transformation Church, and I'm going to listen to this man preach because he just, for me, he is, he is on fire, and he makes so much sense. Pastor, we've got a short amount of time. Can we talk a little bit about the, the high-definition uh, leader roundtable that's coming up November 9th and 10th and, and what that entails? Yeah, thank you so much. So the high-definition leader roundtable, um, and you know this from coaching, desperation produces innovation. Amen, yeah. And so in 2010... Uh, we launched Transformation Church, and God blessed it. And Transformation Church is a church that is centered on Jesus, shaped by his gospel to create a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. And so we have uh, white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people. We have all kinds of people, rich, poor, middle, all kinds of people. It looks like what the new heavens and new earth is going to look like. And that's not by accident. It's by strategy. And before I was a Christian, I couldn't understand why the nightclub was more diverse than Jesus's club and that there was a lot of prejudice and racism still in Jesus's church, not outside of it, and that there was this huge divide. And so we believe that the gospel teaches that Jesus' church um, is a multi-ethnic church, and through love and grace, these barriers are broken down. Disunity creates unity. There's unity and diversity. So anyway, our church is growing and exploding, and people, pastors and people and are asking, um, like, what can I do? And 
so I end up writing a book called The High Definition Leader, Building Multi-Ethnic Churches in a Multi-Ethnic World, and then we built a conference around it. And so what we've learned over the years is we make the roundtable not just for pastors or ministry leaders, but for every Christian who has a heart, one, to grow in their love for Jesus, two, to understand how the gospel crucifies racism, and three, how to become a unifier and not a divider. And so what we do this year, the roundtable is going to be online, which allows us to actually make it bigger and better than we ever have. Not only do I teach, but also my staff teaches, uh, uh, and it's just an incredible, incredible event. And so we're expecting uh, a ton of people to view it online. And the thing about viewing it online is it's accessible. You can rewatch it. And so we want to invite everybody. And, you know, being up in Wisconsin, um, there's been, like in many cities in the United States, racism and the unhealed cancer of racial injustice has reared its ugly head. And I expect people who don't have the power and love of Jesus to not get this issue. But for those of us who know Jesus, And who Jesus said, you will know my disciples by the way they love one another. The world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love. And so people new to Transformation Church will say, Pastor, why do you talk about race so so much in the Bible? And I say, because the Bible is about God bringing the human race together because of racism and prejudice. That's sin, and the cross of Jesus crucifies that sin. And so as a New Testament scholar— Overwhelmingly, the early church was a beautiful mosaic of diversity around the beautiful King Jesus. Hey. And the church is to be a tutor to teach the world what love looks like. So now you so, got now you the listeners, now you understand three and a half hours in the middle of the night why I, I listened to him. Pastor, I, I would love to do another hour. We've got to get to we've got to uh, close this show up. I, I promise that I will reach out to you in the future. Here are the things that you have to know. The High Definition Leader uh, Roundtable is November 9th and 10th, and you can get information on, on Pastor Gray's website. It's Gray with an A dot com. DerwinLGray.com and uh, pick up this book, The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. It's out now, AmazonGoodreads.com. Pastor Gray, thank you so much. I I, th- I just really appreciate your willingness to spend a full hour with us and uh, and good luck with, with this. And next time you see Steve Grant, you tell him I said thank you because yeah, the gift, right. you know what, his willingness in that locker room to put himself out has, has just... Ben, uh, talking about planting a great seed. So thank you so much, and I look forward to meeting you one uh, one day in person, sir. Likewise. Take care. Bye-bye. You got it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. 
Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.